Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagara, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Today, we are joined by Serena Mastin. She is an author, speaker, and entrepreneur who passionately advocates for everyone to overcome self-limiting beliefs. Throughout her life, Serena has faced extreme obstacles. Her journey began with a father who was the leader of a satanic cult, and she quickly found herself in witness protection and then nine different foster homes. This inevitably led to teenage addiction, assault, and homelessness. As she later navigated the everyday challenges of adulthood, running her own business, Pulse Marketing, while raising her children, Serena faced the devastation of her husband's suicide. Despite unimaginable adversity, Serena found a real sense of purpose in her life. Her strength, resilience, and authenticity is translated into the pages of her new memoir, Exposed, You Can't Heal When You Hide. Her thought-provoking story will inspire you not only to embrace challenges, but to do so with passion. Serena has dedicated her life to empowering others, both personally and professionally, and we are thrilled to have her here with us today. Welcome, Serena. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we're delighted to have you. Serena, you have faced incredible adversity in your life and come through all of it with such determination and optimism. What do you do to create and strengthen your sense of self-worth and purpose? So I have some I am statements that I constantly say, not just in the morning, but I say it throughout the day. And one of them is like a really hard one for me. Um, It's... um, I give it, I receive it, and I deserve it. I am abundance. Wow. That's a hard one. The word deserve is a really hard word for me to say. And so repeating that word makes it easier. It doesn't always mean I believe it, but eventually what will happen is I'll start to believe it because I keep telling myself those things. I also have... um, a sticky statement, you know, that I call it, I call them sticky statements or manifestations or, you know, what is your intention today? Because the I am statements really help you um, psychologically, because Hmm. even when you're not feeling pretty or like the smallest thing, right? Like you look in the mirror that morning, you're like, what happened? We say those things, right? And we forget that our mind is, is taking like this huge library of all the things we say to ourselves. And so one of the things that I have to constantly even say to myself is I am enough. I am qualified. I am supposed to be here right now. Mm -hmm. I am beautiful. And even when I don't feel that way, it takes the edge off of all of those other statements that we have a tendency to allow, you know, into our minds. When those negative, I assume you're talking about the the sort of negative statements of not being enough, undeserving, all of those things that we all carry somewhere. How did you start your practice of recognizing those and flipping the conversation with yourself? So the interesting part is I wrote down a list of all of my self-limiting beliefs, Mm. everything that I felt that was negative and that really, you know, what are the things that I'm saying to myself in the worst times? Because I had to recognize first what I was saying and what I was doing. Cause a lot of times we're doing it, you know, unconsciously. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had to replace those words. So the entire list of the things that I was beating up on myself over you know, over and over again, I actually replaced each word with I am instead of feeling I'm not qualified, you know, I am qualified and kind of converting those statements, writing them down makes it real Hmm. 
because you feel it, especially when you write down some words that you, that don't feel good. And they really are, it starts to like, you start to feel it in your body. You start to feel a little bit nauseous. Like I, yeah, I don't know if I can say this differently. This is how I really feel, (laughs) but it helps you to seek those, those transition statements because once you start repeating them, you start to actually live them. It's it's interesting how we have a tendency to, you know, have a list, let's say for what we want in a man, right? Like we got a list. Okay. Like it's big, it's long. It's mine's at least 20, you know, 20 line items long. (laughs) Good for you. You know, and the, the truth in that is that sometimes we don't do that for ourselves. Right. And when we do, when we convert that thought process to what do we want, if I want this from someone else, then I have to demonstrate those things in my own behavior. And mm. that's how we start to see the change. Then you go back to even further, even deeper for this hope and determination to even evolve. You ha- you can't just say something every day, right? right? You have to go even deeper. What is triggering me in this moment to make me feel this way? Why do I feel unqualified right now? Right. What different experiences in my life led me to feel this way about myself? Okay. So then I start Absolutely. walking through that process and journaling. Okay. I'm really thinking deep about some of the things that impacted me. And then I shifted and I think, okay, what are the things that do make me qualified? And that's when you start to accept and yourself, let go of the shame, let go of the self judgment. And you start to actually practice it on a daily basis. And and then it naturally starts to come into your, into your life and allow you that hope and determination. Were you able to do that for yourself? Understanding everything that you've been through, were you able to identify where you've been triggered and change that conversation yourself? Or were there key people in your life that you were able to converse with, share with, or is it a balance of both? So it's a balance of both. And I constantly had this desire to learn. Mm. I wanted to learn why I was going through this. I wanted to, you know, not be a statistic based on my experiences. Right. And so I was reading and listening to audiobooks and, you know, trying to understand, you know, what is emotional intelligence and how do you be, you know, how do you evolve into that? Mm -hmm. The other piece of it is, you still have moments that you're triggered that you don't even recognize. Yesterday, I I had one of those cry days, like the ugly cry oh. days, that snot coming out of your nose and, yep. you know, like that whole thing. That was yesterday. I think those are healthy. Quite frankly, we need they them are. again because it releases emotions. It releases but- everything. But what triggered it was something that mm-hmm. I didn't expect. So okay. I went... Um, to a nonprofit. Yeah. And it's a nonprofit that rehabilitates uh, women and children and takes them off the streets and gives them home, right? Like what a positive, exciting experience. Of course. But something because of my own experience living on the streets. Right. Because of my own experience struggling with addiction, because of, you know, being taken away from my mom. Yeah. Something hit me. And it didn't hit me like mentally. I felt it in my body. I felt nauseous. Wow. Now, I'm supposed to be enjoying this sweet tour of this amazing place. All right. Yeah. And I'm like learning so much about it. And I am literally sick to my stomach. I'm starting to sweat. Wow. I'm getting dizzy. I'm getting a little emotional. And your body remembers those Everything. moments, even mm-hmm. if you've done the work. Yes. And so I got in my car, like as soon as I was done went to a place where no one could, you know, see through, see me in the parking lot. And I just broke down and had the ugly cry because it was like, I needed to release that. It was a trigger. It's like, that's exactly what it was. And so as long as we start to number one, educate ourselves on what those are, right? Like what is even a trigger and how Mm -hmm. does it impact our body? How are we feeling in that moment? That's when we can start to see progress. But if we don't learn enough about those things, then we we have a tendency to be in the dark. 
because yeah. no one's going to tell you that you're showing up in a certain way. And how you show up is interpreted differently by other people because they haven't lived your experience. So a lot of times as we work through this, other people are going to be uncomfortable or in a, you know, potentially in a space that we don't want them to be and we don't control them. How do you deal with other people factor in all of this work? Yeah, that that's tough too. I, I had started without a filter mm-hmm. and oversharing, but then I saw the impact of that okay. and it made me a lot more sensitive Mm-hmm. to then ask permission. Now it's more of like, I just want to, you know, make sure I'm being thoughtful of how you feel. Is it okay if I share this with you? Things yeah. like that then allow people to decide if they're ready to hear something versus us just spewing information out. It's hard because sometimes we do just spew it out and tell the world everything. And then all of a sudden we're like, put it back, put it back in yeah, my mouth. I take it back. <laughs> but it's a lot of reflection it's a lot of being aware of your surroundings and the way that you the words that you say impact other people the woman that was giving me the tour at least one of them was a resident and she'd been in you know dark places just as I had she said I really want to read your book and I want to hear more and she's excited and she's asking me all these questions and I said "I, I just want to allow you to to make that decision. But first, I want you to know that there are some really detailed, explicit moments that might bring up some of the experiences you've had. So just be prepared that, yes, I would love for you to read my story. Just know that it it might feel, you know, you might feel it more Mm. than someone else would because you've experienced similar situations. Could you Tell our listeners a bit more about the book and your experience writing it and why you wrote it. Oh, yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So healing is a process and it's a never ending process. I thought that it was a checklist at first that I can just do all these things and I would be healed. Check. Done. (laughs) (laughs) And You know, from being a little girl in witness protection in foster homes, being sexually abused and. Um, my biological father was the leader of a satanic cult and being locked in this environment. I was so young at the time that I didn't know that that wasn't normal. Okay. It was all you knew, right? That was all I knew. That was normal. When I was then put into these new places, there was a lot of different counselors and things like that, that walk you through it. But really, things that happen to us at such a young age actually mm-hmm. don't resurface until later in life, no matter how many right. times we've gone to counseling or tried different things to heal. So that was just the beginning of my life. That's enough for one person to he- to really work on for the rest of their life. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. And you had I, a lot more go on, though. I, you know, I just decided to go down a different path and <laughs> I like, you know, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. And- <laughs> oh, no. You know none of this was your fault, right? I know. But, I, you know, I do look at it like I know that I did not go through this amount of, you know, pain mm-hmm. at this, you know, through every aspect of my life. Right. Out of a bigger purpose. So I knew that at the end, like even through some of the moments, living on the streets at 16 and struggling with addiction and going through, you know, a 10 year marriage where there was infidelity, one infidelity after the next, um, it was devastating. And what I recognized is that it was almost like my whole life, I just kept hiding. I kept dealing with Mm. it and healing on my own, maybe talking to a counselor, talking to someone close to me, you know, writing it out or, you know, listening to, you know, healing books. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I I did still hide. And what I recognized, um, or at least I felt after my husband, you know, committed suicide, what I felt is it was almost like he gave me permission to Mm. tell my story. It was a very odd feeling. And in that moment, I kind of almost felt like it was my responsibility to write it out because no one would ever 
know some of those emotions or those experiences unless I put it down and shared it. And so then in the writing process, I thought, I'm just going to write just because I'll get it done and say I did it, but I'm not going to share it with anyone. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Because like everyone I, has their process. <laughs> right. Like once I started writing, I recognized I was like, oh my gosh, like I felt the trauma as I was writing about it. So wow. there was one moment where um, there was a lot of adrenaline. I was, you know, running in this, you know, in, in an experience that I've been through. And I'm writing about this and describing it in a way that brings you into the moment with me. So I am I'm reliving it. And I looked at my watch. I got a notification that my heart rate was went up. Wow. Okay. And so I knew it was like my body was actually experiencing all of it as I'm writing it out. And then when I finished it, I recognized if I closed this book and I just kind of put it back under my bed, (laughs) I would be hiding and I'd be continuing the pattern Mm. of hiding the things because my fear was judgment. My fear was not being accepted. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So I had to face that by literally pressing the self like the publish button yeah <laughs> i think my finger was shaking oh. <laughs> i don't want to press it <laughs> because you when you are that raw yeah and that vulnerable and you let strangers just into your mind yeah it's a it's a huge process of healing but it's also still very scary it's incredibly vulnerable incredibly so and i love that you called the book exposed how did you come up with that title i probably like messed with the title for you know one of my titles was i should have been a serial killer (laughs) (laughs) hey if you chose a different path you know maybe we would not be having this conversation but you know like you read some of the stuff that happened yeah you hear all those documentaries and i was like yeah gosh Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously that was a, a lighthearted joke. No, I, um, I recognized that I'd never been this raw. I'd never mm. been this vulnerable and describing moments in my life and in owning my mistakes. There oh, are yeah. many mistakes that I made along the way. And I, there's many times where I even blamed myself. And what I recognized is that this is exactly what I'm doing is if, if I was exposing everything in my life and mm-hmm. allowing others to be a part of it. And so when I came up with exposed, it was only because I exposed my heart yeah. and my mind. And so that's how I really tied it in. I think that's incredibly brave, incredibly courageous. And we talk about courage all the time on this podcast, obviously. I wore my courage necklace just for you. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I did want to dive into a little bit is that you blamed yourself for a lot of things. And I'm sure, especially when you were very young, um, we tend to blame ourselves and there's a lot of shame involved. How did you work through that? One of the things that I was always really good at is forgiving others. Mm. I was really good at letting others off the hook or (laughs) forgiving them or somehow blaming myself for putting myself in that situation to dismiss their responsibility. Right. And what that actually enabled was a lack of self forgiveness. So Mm -hmm. there was a time where I thought like I was the queen of forgiveness. I can forgive anyone for anything. Right. Like, Uh no, I held it all in and never forgave myself. And I attended a seminar where I had to learn how to forgive myself. And one of the things that they did that was so powerful, and now I continue to practice this when I go back into that shame and blame mindset, is they said, um, I want you to look in a mirror and I want you to look in your eyes. Don't look at your face. Don't look at all these other things. I want you to look in a mirror and look into your eyes. Because your eyes typically don't change if from childhood on, like when you look in your eyes, you see the eyes of that little girl. Wow. And they said, 
every day that you beat up on yourself and you don't forgive yourself and you shame and blame yourself for the things that you're doing, you're doing that to that little girl. And would you Mm. do that if it was your little girl? And it just, yeah, (laughs) of course not. Yeah. But we have a tendency to look at ourselves differently. Mm-hmm. And when you stop for a moment and you look at yourself in that childlike version of you, then you say out loud, because that's the weird part that makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I I forgive you. While you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you start to, to name all the things that you blamed yourself for, right. all the things that you're ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And it once you let it out, then you can actually feel like a sense of relief and weightlessness. Mm. But when we hold on to all that stuff and we just allow it to fester in our mind, but we don't say it. Yes. Something about saying it and looking in the mirror actually allows you to move past it, even as uncomfortable as that sounds. And that was the big shift in letting go of shame and blame for me. Wow. Is the ability to say, okay, I feel a little bit ridiculous talking to myself in a mirror, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yes. Yeah, because I, love that. I would never talk to that. I would never talk to a little girl like that. That's who we are. Yeah. Our you inner child I mean? is always there. Yes, absolutely. Always. I love what you were talking about forgiveness though. And you were talking about that you used to forgive everybody. And that's almost a form of people-pleasing. Can you talk a little bit more about that and the the process you went through there? So I had um, an imaginary badge that was chief enabler (laughs) because I I looked at it like it must have been my fault that I was, you know, I put myself in this situation. It must have been my fault that my husband cheated because I didn't give him what he needed. And so you see, like I was the Mm -hmm. chief enabler and I and the people pleasing went to a whole nother level. It was, it was, I needed to earn love. Yes. Yes. I had to be and do and, you know, serve everyone else before myself in order to even be deserving of any kind of love. I always hmm. had to work for it, which yes. also ties into all of the childhood trauma that I experienced. Because that's what love, that's what I was taught as a child is that you, you have, you You earn it. Yes. That love is not freely given. And it Mm. wasn't until I recognized that I can do as much as I want. I can, you know, go above and beyond. I can people please. I can enable, I can forgive. I can do all these things. But until I realized that you can't earn love, it has to be freely given. Yeah. I continue to try to earn it. It does kind of make you think that they're going to see you in a certain way. And therefore you're deserving and of everything, including love. Yes. Which is the exact opposite. Actually. Correct. The thing about forgiveness is that forgiveness is not putting you in a place where you get to get something in return. Well, forgiveness is... Honestly, it gives you the power to take back your life because it's for you. The forgiveness piece allows you to let go of resentment, Mm -hmm. allows you to let go of some of the painful things that you're holding on to. Yeah. And it allows you to move forward. It doesn't excuse their behavior. Right. So forgiveness is not saying it, what you did is okay. What is the definition of forgiveness for you? Well, first, the other thing it's not is forgiveness is not, doesn't mean tolerance. Right. And when you tolerate behavior, because you keep forgiving. Right. Yeah. So what forgiveness is for me is freedom because it allows Mm. me to let go and move past it. I'm no longer holding on to the anger and resentment. I'm facing it and I'm letting it go. It has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with healing yourself. And it's not yes. about the other person. Forgiveness has nothing is for to yourself. do with that. So that kind of ties back to, you know, when you can let go of things like that. I suppose that's the foundation for how you can then start building your, your self-worth. How did you go about doing that? Because you speak 
you know, very eloquently now. You speak very freely about the fact that, you know, your father was the leader of a satanic cult and it just comes out like, that's just a fact of life, you know? <laughs> I would say extremely unique and a very unique challenge amongst all the others that that you have shared with us. And it's, you know, when, when people are struggling and going through adversity, a lot of times we feel very much alone. We feel like we're the only ones experiencing that. And and you can't talk about it because nobody understands. But you talk about your experiences very freely and you understand a lot of the adversity that other women are going through. How did you get to that point where it kind of just flows? So one of the things that I had to learn and know that I have felt alone mm. most of my life, partially yeah. because of my experiences, but the other part was... I isolated to feel safe so that no one mm. could hurt me. Yes. Yes. No one can reach and, you. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to recognize that loneliness is a state of mind. Yeah. Being alone is a state of being. Yeah. And so once you can be alone with your thoughts, with yourself, it allows you to actually embrace who you are and start to build up your self-esteem. Right. It's when we focus on loneliness, like no one wants us, no one loves us, I'm all by myself, I don't have anyone in my life. When we focus yeah. on that, that then leads to, you know, self-doubt and, you know, you're starting to go through more of down a different path. So you have to recognize the difference between the two mm -hmm. and really try to embrace being alone because it's yeah. a state of being. Okay. The second piece, I think, is, you know, one of the things I had to do was I had to learn to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. I had to remember my boundaries because I, in my mind, I'd be like throwing my boundaries out the window. So I memorized my boundaries. I know oh, it's so oh, silly. No, so, that's not silly at all. I've never heard anyone do that before. That's great. Yeah. That. So I created an acronym and it's ah. BRAVE. Okay. Wow, I am in love with this. Okay, so <laughs> B stands for like clarifying the boundaries, like communicating the boundaries. So B okay. stands for boundaries. Like you actually yeah. have to say them in order to have them. You have to you establish what, what are boundaries. your boundaries. Yeah. yeah, you can't just have secret boundaries. You have yeah. to like, <laughs> you have to communicate them. Got it. Um, R is actually for reliability. You do what you say you're going to do. There's a lot of times, and, and this means I have to do what I say I'm going to do. So if I create a boundary, I have to follow through. So and it's reliance on, on yourself. That's what I yeah. love. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then A is for like authenticity. So I have to be able to be fully transparent with my boundaries. Okay. I can't tiptoe around it or make it pretty yeah. or tie it with a bow. Mm -hmm. I have to say these things are important to me. And in that, I want other people to be that way with me. Okay. And then yeah. B obviously is for vulnerability because you have to yeah. be vulnerable in order to be authentic or any of those other things. Yes. And then E is actually equal effort. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So you see how I kind of tie that together. The equal effort yeah. is almost the most important one. Yes. Yes. Because if you're giving, 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 and you're not getting anything in return, mm -hmm. what happens is you just start to break, you start to become empty. You start yes. to lose your identity. Yeah. And so I had to remember these boundaries because I didn't know what boundaries were when I was younger. And, yeah. and so I had to recognize, okay, I have boundaries now. Then mm -hmm. I had to learn to actually how do you give someone a consequence if they don't follow through with your boundaries? Right. If they don't respect right? those boundaries, what happens? Yeah. Exactly. And so that then turned into core. So it's C-O-R-E. Core is okay. the Latin term for heart. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's all about communicate. Yeah. Ownership. Mm -hmm. um, respect. Speaking with respect if they don't respect you. Yeah. And then evacuate is E ah. on court. Like, okay, <laughs> if, we, if you don't do all these things, to go. Even, 
<laughs> Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to be brave enough, courageous enough to say, you know what, this person is not right for me in my life. And yes. it can be extremely, extremely difficult and painful to remove someone, especially if you've, uh, if that relationship is based on, you know, people pleasing, making sure they're comfortable, making sure they're okay, making sure they're happy. Suddenly you lay down a line and if they cross that or they don't respect it, you have to leave. That's, that's really. Well, difficult. and the consequence is yeah. not on them. Yes. You feel it. Your you kids feel it. Yeah. Like in the situation with my husband, I allowed him to cross so many boundaries and I never held any of it. Like I never held to my word about any type of consequence because all I thought of is that because of his actions, it's going to, the consequence will impact my kids, mm. our family. Mm -hmm. We will we'll lose our home. Yeah. It'll impact the business because he worked in the business. It'll impact oh, my yeah. staff. Mm -hmm. So all I thought was, I can't follow through on this because the consequences don't just impact one person. They impact every person in our lives. Right. And so that's a hard decision. So you, you have to prepare yourself and create the steps to even get to that evacuate point. Was it true though, that the consequence of keeping him around equally affected everybody? Yes. At the time, I didn't have that perspective. Right. Right. And yeah. so my perspective was I was, um, my body, and this is actually so interesting. I found out later that my body was actually in motivated by fear. Mm -hmm. So yes. I, I constantly was distracted. I was constantly overworking myself. I was constantly just keeping myself completely distracted from the reality of what was happening. Because I thought if I could, you know, just work hard enough, or if I could just do this, or if I can make this person happy, that it, I wouldn't have to face that. Right. And yeah. so I was, I would say that it was like having a blindfold come off. Mm. The moment that I recognized I needed to leave. What, what made it even worse is that my staff already knew what was happening. No matter how much I tried to hide it. Your kids, kids probably knew too, right? My kids knew. Yeah, 100%. In fact, mm -hmm. he did it in front of them. Like, he, oh, wow. yeah. you know, he would do, you know, completely inappropriate things like texting or calling another, you know, woman and, and mm. just thinking that they didn't know any different. Yeah. You know, so, but they were hyper aware and the whole time. They're extremely to, aware of what's going right? on. And the yeah. whole time right. I'm just trying to protect everyone and hide everything, you know, like mm -hmm. protect his integrity. Not that it was there at the time. Right. Like, but yes. I was just trying to, I was in such a tunnel yes. of just trying to fix, protect, distract that mm -hmm. I actually didn't even recognize when to stop. Because it, yeah. I'd gotten so used to being in this hamster wheel of trying to pretend like everything was okay. Yeah. If someone had reached out to you or called you out on that when you were in in the height of it, when you were in this full protection mode, would you have been able to recognize and navigate that? Or do you just have to let it play out? Oh, that's a hard one. Okay, so uh -huh. there is... There were moments where individuals shared, like, not necessarily what was happening because I was still, remember, in denial. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Concern, but if maybe? it's the wrong individual, mm. it does not change the perception. Right. It does have to be someone that truly communicates from a loving place mm -hmm. and in a way that gets your attention. Right. Because if it's from someone that doesn't communicate that way, the only thing you hear is what they're saying in a way that is like, 
you're trying to sabotage or you're judging me or you're whatever it is. That's what you hear at that time. But if someone really stops you and, and puts you in a perspective of like, I need you to take a moment to pause Mm -hmm. and to see what's unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're a lot more open and aware, but that didn't fully happen until the very end because I hid everything so well for so long. I was like the queen of hiding. I was so proud of myself. Uh (laughs) Like everybody thinks everything is perfect. And I got this under control. Absolutely not the case. No. And, and, you know, it can be really, really difficult, obviously, for yourself and everyone involved, but particularly for the kids. And you have incredible children. How did you get them through that period in life and ensure that you sort of prevented the generational trauma from? Well, I really hope I did. You know, like I always say one thing is that, um, you know, I tried not to mess up my kids as much as I was messed up. So if I just do it like a tiny bit, it's not so bad. I would say the one thing, and I'm so glad that I did this, like when I did, because the moment that I realized that I, that everyone knew the whole time, was then the moment that I just completely came to a place of transparency, vulnerability, and gave them, you know, obviously age age ranges matter, right, with your kids, but yeah, I gave them the opportunity to ask questions, to, to process it with me, mm-hmm. instead of putting it in a box and, you know, pushing it away, or instead of downplaying the situation or villainizing other people. I allowed them to ask me questions and us to work through it together. And Uh I think that shifted the mindset of, um, of this is happening to me to this is happening for me. And what could we learn from this? Right. But it's, it's a process because every single person heals differently. Yeah. So for instance, my, my son, he, he leans towards the people pleaser in me, you know, yeah. like they mirror your behavior. Yeah. And my daughter, she actually went into a place of isolation in the sense of like hiding her emotions. Sure. So it was, it was also like, like peeling the onion, right? Like it's layer by layer. And so mm-hmm. each year in the past three years, as we've, you know, healed from some of these things, um, a different layer comes out and then we focus and we we work through it i think that's so beautiful and i think um a lot of parents out there feel a lot of guilt for everything how did you work with your kids through that without allowing the guilt to sort of take over how you're approaching things oh um yeah guilt is definitely a just a a painful um it's a painful emotion because you you have a tendency to live in it for a while. Yeah. And and I did. I at one point, you know, early on when everything was kind of unfolding, I was sleeping all day long because I just didn't want to face the day. Like emotionally I, and physically exhausted. Exhausted. And yeah. then I felt guilty for that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like so resting. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Like you start to just like guilt is like this, you know, snowball effect. Once you start with one thing, it starts to really carry. Yeah. Um, I I had to be honest about my mistakes with mm-hmm. my kids. I yeah. had to, you know, really ask them for forgiveness. Yeah. For putting them through all of that. Sure. And my both of them, I feel really held me up when I couldn't stand on my own. And, and I think that was a beautiful thing is that they really looked at it as like, we're in this together. You're not alone. And they just have these hearts that my daughter is more the protector. My son is more of the caregiver, which is very sweet. That's Um, adorable. Both of them. Yeah. And so that taught me a lot. It yeah. taught me a lot. My kids definitely taught me more than anything else is that they just lifted me up and held me up. 
Mm. Even when I was beating myself up and going through those moments of guilt, just my being transparent with them, mm. treating them like adults instead of treating them like children. Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, my daughter was only 13. Wow. You know, so and she's 17 yeah. now. So mm-hmm. it putting that in perspective of allowing her to be a part of the conversation. That shows them and taught them that you respect them, right? Which in turn will show them how to respect themselves. So I think it's incredible that you did that. I'm still working. Um, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we ever have the conversation that everything's wonderful. I fixed my life and everything's arrived. now, right? <laughs> that is not what life is about. Life is about um, navigating all of those things. Um, we've talked a lot about sort of the personal side of life. You faced your own challenges in terms of professional business career adventures as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that and do the tools to get you through those things mirror those on the personal side? Yes. It's it's very interesting. Um, it's because personal and business are one and the same. Mm. Everything that you're going through in your personal life is it's just mirrored into your business. And so because of Mm. that, I faced a lot more challenges than I probably, you know, I could have, I could have avoided (laughs) (laughs) because I, I was hiding all those things and it was mirroring in my business. And so there was moments in my business where there was months without pay for me Mm. and Mm -hmm. I was, you know, barely making it. I thought I was going to close the business. You know, I was losing clients and, especially in these moments, I, I had to be the same person with my staff. Mm. And because I was able to be vulnerable with my staff, they no longer looked at me as I was separate from them. They invited me in. And you see what I mean? And so it was, there was one moment and gosh, I'll never forget this moment. I, it was right after Um, he passed away. It was in the middle of COVID. It was many of our clients were closing down and cutting all their budgets. We'd just lost so many clients. And then on top of that, um, he had canceled his medical insurance prior to all this happening. And there was 200,000 in medical bills. Okay. Like Mm. it was, Mm. it was probably like the biggest disaster you could imagine. And I just went to my team and I said, I am broken. I have nothing left right now. And I don't know what to do. And I just need you guys to help me see clearly because I can't. I'm just in this dark place. And I said, I can't afford payroll. I can't like, I I don't know what to do. And so they came, they, they got together and they came back to me and they said, we're going to cut our hours in half. And we're going to do that because we don't want you to suffer alone. Wow. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like it just like the most emotional moment with my team was in that moment that they they sacrificed in order for us to all survive. Wow. And it was, wow. and, and we're still standing, but it's, and it's because of that mentality, but mm. they wouldn't have done those things if I hid continuously yes. and never came forward and said, I've made mistakes. This is what's going on. Yeah. Can I trust you with this information? Be right? honest and transparent about that. They have to be, because that's how they feel like they can be honest and transparent. And it's actually completely reflective you know you talked about your kids you showed them respect you brought them in they were part of the conversation and they held you up with your staff and your team you did the same thing showed them respect you were honest and open and they in turn turned around and helped hold you up and i think that's beautiful and when you're being vulnerable and transparent it doesn't mean that you have to let everything out of the bag and like your skeleton no. around the office okay no. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> People, but it does you mean, have to choose who you who you trust. Yeah, it does mean that you have to have the courage to say, 
a lot of things are happening in my life right now that I can't mm-hmm. explain. And I'm yes. really struggling. Yeah. Can you help me? Yeah. That's what you have to have the courage to say. You don't have to say, and he cheated six times and this yeah. happened, and that happened, and everyone <laughs> in the world is against me. Like you yeah. don't have to tell no, that. that's not how you know. <laughs> that is not how you're not a victim when you no. bring yourself there. You yes. are vulnerable and victimization and vulnerability are two different things. And you don't have to villainize anyone else in that process. You just own your own emotions. Yes. Yes. Because villainizing and victimizing yourself is putting you back into that blame and shame cycle in your mind. Yeah. It makes you continuously live in the story that you're telling yourself. Yes. We're always in a story that we tell ourselves, always <laughs> writing our own story and our own, um, the next our own narration and dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why, you know, you writing a book is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say the top three things are that someone should think about if they are in the midst of a particular adversity or challenge? So I think the, the first part is, understanding where you are and identifying resources, Mm -hmm. not alone. So understanding what you need, for instance, I needed like, I needed counseling, right? Like that was huge. Yeah. I need community. Mm -hmm. So I needed to surround myself with people who would accept me and not judge me. Um, And then I also needed like time to be introspective. So that I could mm. recognize my body, my pa- my pain, and how I was processing some of that information. And so I always say, understand what your resources are around you, whether it's a, a you know, an app that, mm-hmm. you know, you, yep. you listen to every day or whatever it is, that the resources are a huge part of understanding a path at all. Otherwise, you just feel like you're stuck. Right. And then surrounding yourself with the community. So let's say the, you know, it's a, just an app on the, one of my favorites is Sanity and Self. And mm-hmm. it's an app that has five minute little videos that talk about, like, they basically say, when you open the app, take off your bra, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it talks about toxic relationships and how to overcome, you know, different parts of your, you know, your own things that get in the way. So they, that in itself takes you out of your own mind sometimes and allows you to kind of focus on learning and gathering resources. The other piece is you have to find people that you're willing to open up to Mm -hmm. that are going to accept you, that are going to walk you through the process. They're not going to bring more negativity in. Right. And they're not going to then also, you know, um, talk badly about everyone that's involved because that just makes you feel worse. Yeah. So it's like almost like a, a community that's safe, you know, it's mm. kind of like a safe place. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then that introspective piece is really, there's sometimes where I just need to go out of the house, go on a hike, go on a walk. I want to yeah. see the sunrise. These are little tiny moments that allow you to reflect but also mm. outside of your everyday life, because it's a lot harder to reflect or, you know, be introspective if you're in your same routine all the time. So right. taking yourself out of that mm-hmm. and just giving yourself a, a practice, a meditation, going to a yoga class, even whatever it may be, yeah. those little things create change mm-hmm. that then open your eyes to see things that you might not have seen before. I love that. I love that because you talk about the importance of reaching out and the importance of reaching in. And you mm-hmm. can't do you can't do the healing work without both of those. Yes. I, mean, I thought I could I thought I could hide while I was healing, but then I <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> well, I, learned, I learned that recently too that the hiding is part of trying to protect yourself. And yeah, you know, safe. protect yourself from judgment, protect yourself from criticism, protect yourself keep yourself safe but at some point it's actually not it's more damaging to hide than it is to go out there and live your truth with the yeah right and that's why community <laughs> is a part of it 
Yes, with the right yeah. people, you know, share with everybody on the street. Yeah. As I get older, the quality of my relationships are far more important than the quantity of them, which yes. it, is what it used to be. Identifying but. people that might like just be completely different than who you would typically put yourself around mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just ask for permission yeah. to share your story because you might just be inspired by this person, but you would never normally make them a part of your little circle. Right. Yeah. But the fact that you have the courage to reach out and say, you really inspire me and I'd love to talk to you and share my story. Are you open to listening? Yeah. That it gives you a whole different perspective that you would have never had before. Oh, if you just that. count on the little, you know, the friends that you've always had. Yeah. And I was very surprised, you know, I've dealt with infidelity in my life also, but I was very surprised when I was going through that, that when I did choose to talk about it and tell people about it, a number of people that shared their own stories and there, and I'm, you know, people I would never have imagined have experienced this ever. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, yeah, it was very freeing to talk about it and share with people who have experienced it as well. And it, it just, it was kind of mind blowing and a little bit, I was a little bit sad that that many people have like, darn it. it, but I think it's <laughs> the, yeah, but I think it's the, you know, the reality, I guess, of, of the world that we live in, but um, from it comes a lot of great things. So, well, and you not only learn and get inspired by this sense of community, but you also learn what you don't want to become. Ah, hundred percent. Yes. So it's it's a, just a process of inviting people into your life that you typically wouldn't like have in your life is it helps inspire you. Yeah. And it's huge. And a long t a lot of the time I thought if I just was strong enough, if I was just, you know, uh -huh. like, if I worked hard enough, I can get to, I can do it on my own. Yeah. And, and the truth is, is that community gives you a whole different experience because people do at their human nature, they, they genuinely want to help. Just yeah. know everyone's afraid of asking for it. Mm. And you have to have the courage to ask for it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, your journey will kind of start from there. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, here at Courage in Action, we are a community of women empowering and helping other women. And I just want to thank you so much for becoming a part of it and for taking your time today to, to share your story and your wisdom. We really appreciate it. I am honored. And remember, it's post-traumatic wisdom, nothing else. I think we have to remember that everyone has trauma, right? Everyone's trauma may be slightly different, but everyone has it. And I just want to thank you for being brave enough to share your story to help other people and to help all of us kind of through this healing process. You are making a big difference in a lot of lives. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm honored.